All right. Now, if you are here with me, let's open together, continuing in the book of Mark. Continuing together through the book of Mark. We're going to be in Mark chapter 4. You should see a blue Bible in the pew back in front of you. Uh, We'd encourage you to open that up with us. The Word of God is precious to us. The Word of God creates faith. The Word of God reads us. The Word of God is powerful. It's living. And so we'd love to invite you to open the Bible up with us. Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. Mark is towards the back of the Bible, second book in what's called the New Testament. So it goes Matthew, Mark, Luke. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Okay. Okay. We're going to ask this question today. We're going to ask this question today. Why do people reject the good news of Jesus? Does that ever puzzle you? Church people, does that ever puzzle you? Why in the world would somebody reject the good news of Jesus? I mean, I... This comes to my mind, I'll be honest with you, this comes to my mind when I share the gospel with friends or family or neighbors. It just, I, I just don't, sometimes I just don't understand why would somebody reject the good news of Jesus? Why would somebody reject the good news that, that the sinful things that I do in life, that the, 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 the bad ways I treat people, or the bad ways I cheat people. Or those terrible things in the back of my mind that I've done that I am ashamed of. Why would someone reject the good news that Jesus has come with outstretched arms and he says, I have come to pay the price for the bad things that we do in life. That Jesus comes with open arms and he says, I have come to take all of your sins on my back and to wipe them clean. And not just that, but I have come to give you an eternity free of sin, free of suffering. Why would somebody reject that? And I'm sure many of us here have people very close to us that we have for years cried over and prayed for because we know that they continue to reject the good news of Jesus. What is going on there? What is going on with people who reject? What's going on with people we might share the gospel with and maybe they come to church and they they really rejoice in it and they like it for a while, but then they... They fall away. What's going on there? What's going on in the heart of people who who say that they're Christians and yet they live a life that is totally against the things of Jesus? What's going on there? What's going on? Let's wrap all of that up and ask this question. What's happening in a heart that hears the Word of God? That's the question for today. What's happening 
in the heart that hears the word of God, that hears the good news that Jesus has come and he offers forgiveness for sins for all who repent and believe. What happens to a heart that hears that? Very important question, very deep question, question that we all struggle with from time to time. Why do my loved ones reject? What's going on in their hearts? Well, let's, let's hear from Jesus. Let's hear from Jesus. Mark, big number four. I'm going to read big number four to little number 20. goes like this. Read with me if you will. Read silently as I read aloud. Again, he, Jesus, began to teach beside the sea. He's beside the sea again. We see him there. We've seen him there often. And a very large crowd gathered around him. Remember this crowd? They're coming to Jesus. He's casting out demons. He's healing people. They're coming. They're, there's so many people, and they're so ravenous to chase Jesus down that it can become, it, Jesus becomes concerned that they will crush people, that they will crush him and his disciples. And so the crowd was so great that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. What's a parable? And in his teaching, he said to them, Listen! Behold, a sower went out to sow. So a farmer has a has an apron. They carry an apron with one hand and in the apron are a bunch of seeds and they take the seeds. The sower goes and he casts the seeds out in a farm. A sower in a field. A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some of the seed fell along the path. The path and the cuts, cuts the field and that the farmer, the sower would walk on. Fell along the path. And the birds came on and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil and immediately it sprang up. That's good news. It sprang up. That's great. But since it had no depth of soil and when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it and yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. Wow. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked about the parables, and he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables. So that, quoting from Isaiah, prophecy about him, so that they might indeed see but not perceive. And may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? 
how then will you understand all parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. And then, when the tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and one hundredfold. What's happening? in the heart that hears the good news of Jesus. What's happening in the heart that hears the word of God. The parable of the sower. The parable of the sower. So let's break this parable apart. What's happening in the heart that hears the word of God? What happens in your heart when you hear the word of God? What's going on here? Let's explain this parable. The seed that is sown is the word of the good news of Jesus Christ. The seed is the main character. Okay, We can get all the way through that parable, and then at the end, when Jesus says, this seed will produce 30 times, 60 times, and 100 times, the crowd goes, wow! What is up with that seed? What kind of seed could produce such a harvest? Average seed would produce 10 times in the fields of Israel. And for a seed to produce 30 times, 60 times, 100 times, to get a a harvest like that is miraculously good. How valuable must this seed be? What kind of seed is this? The seed is the Word of God. More specifically, The seed is the revelation that Jesus Christ, the righteous one, has come to bring sinners back into the kingdom of God through His death and resurrection as the Word of God. And we call that message the Word because the entirety of the Word of God is about Jesus coming to save sinners. Every page is about Jesus coming to save sinners. Jesus tells us this Himself. He, after His resurrection, He's walking with two of His disciples and He said to them, how foolish are you? And how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not I, the Messiah, have to suffer these things and enter His glory? And beginning with Moses, that means the first part, 
Moses, and the prophets. That means the rest of the Old Testament. He began explaining to them what was said in all the Scriptures concerning Himself. We don't read the Bible like a history lesson, though there is history in there. We don't read the Bible as a way to be better people. I don't read the Bible to my daughters so that they will be better kids and listen to me. We read the Bible because it shows us Jesus. What good is morality or history if Jesus died and stayed dead? He rose again. The seed is the good news that Jesus Christ, the righteous one, has come to bring sinners like me back to the kingdom through his death and resurrection. That's the seed. That seed is unlike any other seed. That seed is miraculous. It will produce a harvest that we cannot believe. If that's the seed, then who is the sower? Well, standing in the boat, teaching the Word of God, Jesus is the sower. And that crowd that's along the beach... That's listening to Jesus. He is casting seed towards this. How many people? I don't know. Thousand? Couple thousand? Few thousand? We don't know. There's been a lot. Casting seed. He is preaching the word of God. He is casting the seed. But it's not just Jesus. Jesus is not the only sower. The sower is anyone who believes and delivers the Word of God. And who should that be? Should be all of us believers. The sower are all believers who obey the command to scatter the seed, to share the Word of God. Of God to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's all believers who follow the example of our Lord. Like the farmer, like the sower who's walking and scattering, like him, our occupation as believers is to scatter the word of God to all hearts. Do you believe that? Mark will tell us later in chapter 16, Jesus said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creation. Matthew 28, 19-20, the Great Commission says, Go! Make disciples of all nations. That's our occupation. That's why we are still here. That's why Jesus did not beam us up like Star Trek the moment you repented and believed. He's left you here and He's left me here to make more faithful followers of Jesus. Notice, 
Notice the sower isn't described. Notice the sower isn't described as the guy with the seminary degree who's paid to do it and who comes and, and you know, we pay him to do that business. Doesn't it describe it that way? The focus of Jesus isn't on the skill of the sower, isn't on the method of the sower, isn't on the intelligence of the sower. Amen? I was tricked to say amen. Not on my intelligence. Thank the Lord. It's not on my age. It's not about sex or gifting. It is about sowing. There's not an emphasis on making sure you aim at the right soil. This soil doesn't get the word, and this one does. The emphasis isn't, I'm going to share the soil with Republicans or just with Democrats or with people who don't drive motorcycles or with people who don't have tattoos or with people who, who think the same way that I do or have the same skin color as I do. We sow the seed. There's not an emphasis on aiming for the right soil. There's not a question of technique here. There's not a question of qualification. The question is this. The only question is this. Do you have the seed? If you have the right seed, throw it! Get the seed to the soil! There might be time for a conversation to be had about the best way to get the seed to the soil. But Christians could be so caught up in fears or methods or pride or legalism. Well, you must throw this way at this angle and best do this at this at this thing. If you have the right seed, get the seed to the soil. Get the seed to the soil. We spend as believers so much time and effort trying to judge each other for our methods and the way we do things. And what we're really trying to do is we're trying to avoid sowing the seed. The seed is the star. And the question then is, and what takes up most real estate in this now is, how does the soil accept the seed? The seed is the Word of God. We are the sower. Jesus is the sower. The soil is the heart of the hearer. The sower is the heart of the hearer. In Matthew's account of this parable, Matthew makes it very clear. Soil equals heart. And there are two types of soils. There's unproductive soil and there's productive soil. Sometimes the seed will fall along the path. Is this you? Sometimes the seed will fall along the path. Remember, the path is in the middle of the field. The sower, the farmer, the workers use the path to walk in the field and around the field and between the fields and all this. It is packed hard. It's packed with hard dirt. Packed, packed down. Sometimes the word will fall on these packed hard soil. Some hearts are so hardened towards God and the good news of Jesus that the seed will not penetrate the heart at all. 
Jesus says these hearts are unknowingly aligned with Satan. Jesus says Satan, verse 15, immediately comes and takes the word that has been sown in them. Second Corinthians 4, 4 says it this way, in their case, the God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. These hearts are so hardened that the precious Word of God does not make a dent. These hearts are so hard they have no care or desire or plan to seriously consider the person and work of Jesus. Is that you? The word, the seed, will also fall onto rocky soil, rocky ground. Israel's fields are notorious for rocks, a lot of rocks underneath the soil. And so this soil looks like good soil. If you're walking along the path, you're throwing, you don't see the rock. It just looks like good soil. As you're scattering, you see it just looks like good soil. But what it really is, is a shallow layer of dirt on top of rock. And when the seed falls here, the shallow soil takes it in. And it grows quickly. But there's no room for true growth. There's no room for roots to really dig in. And so when the environment becomes harsh, when the sun beats down on this, when the wind picks up, when the environment gets harsh, this plant immediately falls away. Some hearts will hear the word and will appear to accept it joyfully. They will come to church. They will want to get involved. They will seem on fire. However, these hearts will only have a shallow, meaningless, naive commitment to Jesus. These hearts may, most likely, will like the easy parts, the, the easy parts to accept about the Word of God, about the Gospel. God loves us. Who won't be joyful about that? Yeah, God loves me. God forgives me of my sins. Yeah, sign me up. I need that. My destiny is in heaven? Yes! God is for me. He loves me. I, am, I can be called His child. Sign me up. I'll accept that with joy. However, is that the entirety of the Word of God? These hearts will reject Jesus when the realities of the Christian life prove difficult. These, part, these, these soils, these plants, they fall away when the parts of the Word come true that talk about persecution, 
suffering, poverty, difficulty, effort, holiness. Fall away when church is hard. Church is hard. Church is hard. No amens to that? Church is hard. Thank you. Church is hard. And if church is the center of our Christian universe, that God has, has created the church to be our place of encouragement and discipleship where, we grow, where our plants grow and are watered and are pruned and we love one another. If that's the center of it, church is hard. How many people, if you've been to church a long time, how many people come to church and when church gets hard, they fall away? We've seen it. How many of us want to admit that when church gets hard, we want to fall away? Yeah. The call to make Jesus Lord, not just Savior, make Him Lord will drive many people away. Obedience and submission to Christ and submission to others and a pursuit of holiness and church discipline and tithing and church unity and generosity and service. All these things that are taught and, and that, we, that, we, that we try to emulate in our lives and we try, to, we try to obey in our lives. Those things are hard. And think about it, we pull people from the community and we pull people from the world and we bring them in here and we teach them things like sex is designed to be a gift from God to a man and a woman who are married. That is a hard, it's a hard thing. And we don't, pre, we don't approach it and act like we've got it all figured out and we're just perfect people judging, condemning everybody. But what do we, that's, that's the truth. It's hard. It's hard in our world. The Word will then also fall into weeds and thorns. Israelite fields just sound like the worst. They're notorious for lots of rock. They're also notorious for thorns, a particular type of aggressive, nasty thorns. In fact, the Greek, you, the Greek name for this thorn here is the same one used to describe the thorns placed on Jesus' head. Isn't that something? So the word will be scattered, will, will fall into soil, and it will go into the soil and begin to grow. So we might look and we might, wow, that, that, this, the seed has taken root and is growing there, but the love for sin and the world will grow up like thorns and will choke out the word from the heart. This soil hears the word, but wants Jesus. Yeah, I want Jesus. Remember, these, this soil and the last soil would call themselves Christians. Are you with me? I, I like Jesus. This soil is, I like Jesus. I want Jesus. Yes, I believe that Jesus is who He says He is. 
but they also love the things of the world. They have dual allegiances. Jesus is just another love to this heart. He is not the love that cuts down all false loves. In this heart, Jesus is not precious enough to destroy the thorns. To destroy the things of the world and the sins of the world, the desires of the world. This soil desires to serve two masters. This soil is hedging its bets. Jesus tells us, chapter 6, He says, either you will hate one master and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve two masters. Thorns and the Word cannot exist fruitfully in the same heart. Allegiance to Jesus and allegiance to the world and to sin cannot exist in the same heart. Can't happen. This heart places wealth and comfort and pride and relationships and many other worldly temptations. It places them over Christ. And when there are times in life where we must decide between Jesus and the world, this soil chooses the world. When we come to Christ, we are called to be thorn killers. The thorns will still try to pop up in my life. And what my calling to do is to say, is Jesus the master or are the thorns the master? If Jesus is the master, my effort needs to be to cut down those thorns. Cut them down. Believers, we cannot tend to, feed, water, and give miracle grow to the thorns and follow Jesus. We can't do that. Seed will fall on the path. Seed will fall on shallow dirt. Seed will fall in the weeds and the thorns. And then Jesus, we take this little bit of a commercial break. His disciples come around and say, we just don't quite understand why parables, Jesus. Jesus will continue to teach the crowds in parables in the book of Mark. And the disciples are confused. Why parables? Jesus speaks on parab- in parables because parables are a spiritual test that separate quickly and clearly the good soil from the bad soil. The, the productive soil from the unproductive soil. Parables separate hearts that are open to hearing the Gospel and hearts that are closed to open the Gospel. Parables, it does this because parables require thoughtfulness. Parables require meditation. I put medication down here. I don't think that's necessary. They require meditation. Parables require searching. Parables require commitment. Unproductive soils aren't interested in those things. Productive soils that are open to the gospel, that know that they're sinful, that need, know they need a Savior, that are searching for the true things of God, will be open to things like commitment. It will be open to things like searching these words. 
Jesus quotes a prophecy that is very heavy on my heart, that should be very heavy on all of our hearts to see the seriousness of scattering seed. Jesus quotes a prophecy about himself, Isaiah 6, 9, and 10. Read verse 12 again with me, would you? I I speak in parables, Jesus said, verse 12, so that they may indeed see but not perceive and may indeed hear but not understand lest they should turn and be forgiven. Boy, that's heavy. In Isaiah, in that passage, the people of God have become so hard hearted against God that they are at the point of no return. They don't want to hear Him. They don't want to be saved by Him. So they cannot hear Him speak. So Jesus speaks in parables to easily and quickly separate. And Jesus speaks in parables so that those whose hearts are already hardened towards God, those hearts will be hardened further. In God's just judgment, He sends the Word to hard hearts anyway. Knowing they don't have ears to hear. Knowing they have hardened their hearts against Him. And in this way, due to the hardness of their hearts, they have condemned themselves in the very face of God's mercy and grace. In the very face of the Savior. That's temporal judgment on a people who reject God and His mercy and His grace. Now this doesn't mean that those outside automatically can't hear and understand. It means many have hardened their hearts so much against God and so much against Christ to the extent that they will not hear. That their hearts are rock hard. That they are too shallow minded or they are too in love with the world. That they will give no time to the good news of Jesus Christ. And therefore, they have sealed themselves away in the hardness of their hearts. And the point of this little passage is this. The point of this, Isaiah, is this. If they harden their hearts in the face of the mercy and grace of Jesus, what hope do they have? There's no hope. To harden my heart against God sending His Son to die on the cross for my wickedness. What other hope is there? What else could I be waiting for? That's the greatest gift, the greatest sign, the greatest deliverance that there ever could be. To harden my heart, harden my heart against that is to call down judgment on myself. Nothing greater is coming because nothing greater could come. That's the greatest. That's our hope. But the word will also fall on good soil. Thank the Lord. Now, I don't mean good soil like righteous soil. I mean good soil like prepared soil. 
this good soil isn't distracted by the cares of the world. It isn't so shallow as to reject Jesus as Lord in the difficult times. And the prepared soil hasn't hardened to the point of outright, immediate rejection. The good soil hears the Word and accepts it. And as evidence of accepting the Word, the soil bears fruit. 30 times, 60 times, 100 times. Evidence of soil that hears the Word, has been changed by the Word, evidence of that is bearing fruit. What does it mean to bear fruit? What fruit is produced? When the seed falls into good soil, the plant grows strong and healthy and is responsible for what? For more seeds that produce more plants. That means Christians to be productive soil, to be hearts that have accepted the Word truly, to be, to be soil that accepts the Word of God truly means to share the good news of Jesus. The fruitfulness of the soil means we are trying to make more plants. We are trying to share the Word of God. We are trying to cast more seeds. That's what the fruitfulness means. It's not the harvest. It's not the end. The harvest hasn't come yet. We are trying to produce more plants. We're trying to see more people saved. Evidence of the seed being in good soil of my heart is, is to produce more plants. Evidence of the Word in the heart of a Christian is making more Christians. Evidence of the Word in the heart of a disciple is making more disciples. Faithful followers making more faithful followers. Do we believe that? Evidence of a church of good soil is a church focused on reaching their community for Christ. Are you with me? Evidence of a church that has accepted the seed is not a church that has everything figured out. It's not evidence that they sing this song or not this song. Or they preach this way and not this way. Or they have this type of people and not this type of people. Or they're changing everything. Or they're not changing anything. None of those is evidence of a church that produces the fruit of the Gospel. What is? A church that has a heart that is broken for the soil out there that desperately needs the good news of Jesus. Is that who we are? Christians, those of us who by the grace of God have had hearts that are prepared for the seed and the seed falls in, not on any effort of our part, but out of the mercy and grace of God, the seed has made it and the plant is growing. Share the good news of Jesus. What this also tells us, Christians, as we present the gospel, as we cast seed, expect rejection. 
rejection from someone for presenting the gospel does not mean you are not successful. Are you with me? You are called to cast the seed. God makes it grow. You're called to cast the seed. God makes it grow. If you are rejected for that, to God be the glory, expect rejection. But also, never give up. If you have loved ones in your life that are not believers, never give up. Just as the sower couldn't see which soil would take the seed, we cannot truly know the impact of our scattering the gospel. Don't give up hope. When you think that the seed you planted isn't producing fruit, seed takes time to grow, and the seeds of the Word may take a lifetime of many encounters with the gospel. Do not give up. Do not lose hope. Don't lose hope for your loved ones. Keep lovingly, Casting that seed. And finally, we are good soil. Share the gospel. Expect rejection. Never give up. And prepare our own hearts for the word. Have you ever thought about that? As you enter into this place to hear the Word of God preached, who is most responsible for the Word of God hitting its mark? Me? Not me. Who is it? Is your soil prepared? Is your soil prepared? As we walk in together to praise God together, to be under the preaching of the Word of God, ask ourselves, is my, is my heart prepared for what I'm entering into. Am I entering into this time with a spirit of with a critical spirit? Am I entering into this time with a, a spirit that is confused, a spirit that is hurried, a spirit that is ready to get home and watch the Chiefs win today? I've just lost all credibility, haven't I? Where is your heart? Are you preparing your heart for Sunday morning? Okay, I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. This is an easy time of decision. Man, this sermon makes it really crystal clear. Easy time of decision. We're going to call you, just as Jesus did in that boat, just as we've seen Jesus do for four chapters, we're going to call all of us today, repent and believe the good news that Jesus has come to save sinners. Now, we cast that seed to you. This whole church, that's the message of this church. Repent and believe. Jesus is good. He brings mercy and grace to those who call upon his name. We call that out to you. We planted that seed. Now, where's the, what's the soil like in your heart? Have you heard that? And is your heart so hardened that it's not going to hear? Make a decision today that that won't be you. Pray that God opens the heart, open the eyes of your heart. Are you here today and the, the seed that we cast has fallen on shallow soil? Have you taken it in with joy, but as soon as it gets hard, have you decided you're going to run the other direction? 
Or is Jesus really the Lord of your life? Or maybe you love Jesus, but you also love the world. And maybe you're doing things that you know Jesus doesn't want you to do. But maybe you've decided, well, you can have both. You can't have both. Make a decision today that you are going to chop down those thorns. Maybe you're a Christian today. And maybe you've realized that our job is to make faithful followers. 